Well, a good morning. Thank you for being here, whether you are here with us in church or you are joining us online. We want to say welcome. Thank you for choosing New Hope. Thank you for, again, worshiping with us today on this beautiful day. We've had a couple beautiful days this past week. Um, That's been exciting just for the sun to be shining. Identity. Identity is who you are. Identity is sometimes what you are about. Our identity can vary from time to time. I know for me, when I was growing up, you could probably say that, as with most people, I went through a couple identity crises. I didn't know who I was from time to time. There would be one time I'd be with one group of friends, and I was acting like somebody, and then I was with another group of friends or another group of people, and I was somebody totally different. Because by nature, I am a people pleaser. There are some people who don't really care what people think about them. They'll say, I don't really care what people think about me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then there are some, be some people who say, oh, oh, I, I offended you. I upsetted you. I'm sorry, my mistake, my bad. And they think there's something wrong with themselves because maybe this person or that person doesn't like them. I was kind of somewhere in the middle of that. There were times there were some people I didn't really care what they thought about me, but then there was other people I'm like, well, what can I do to make them like me? What do I need to do to impress them? And then I would start acting like them, talking like them, doing the things that they were doing just to make them like me. Back in Pennsylvania, in the small town where we grew up, your identity sometimes was already almost predetermined before people knew who you were. Because they knew maybe who your older brother or your older sister was, so they thought you were the same person. Your identity was quickly established based off of who your siblings were. A few weeks ago, we had put a mailbox holder out front, and we put a new mailbox. And I took the old mailbox inside, and I thought, what am I going to do with this old mailbox? And then the thought came to me, oh, I should text a picture to my buddy Josh and be like, hey, you got a baseball bat? When we were growing up, we did a couple things. You can use your own imagination with a baseball bat and a mailbox. And that was who we were. And I thought, no, I can't do that because that is not who I am today. That person is no longer me. That person is in my past. Like we heard from Pastor Todd the the past couple weeks. Those things are in the past. Those are the strongholds of my past. If I want a new blessing, I have to forget the former stuff. So today, where do you find your identity? Do you find it based on who your friends are? Do you find your identity based on what you're doing? Or do you find your identity in Christ and who he says you are? So my question today for you is, Who are you? I am. Today we're going to find out. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can gather together. We can sing praises to your name. 
we can lift our hands and honor you. Speak through me now. I may be used by you in your vessel. Let us find out what our true identity can be. In your heavenly name, amen. So in order to find out our identity in Christ, we have to first find out and decide, are we even in Christ? Are you even in Christ? What is your role as a Christian, as a Christ follower, a member of the church, or if you're joining us online, the member of your church? What is your role as a Christian? The word Christian sometimes gets a pretty bad rep today. Almost anybody and everybody everybody will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But they don't act like what the Bible says when the Bible says that a Christian is to be Christ likeness. When we are like Christ, we are doing everything we can to follow the Bible. When we become a Christian, we are given a new identity. We are no longer of this world. In Romans 12:2 it says, "And be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God." When we get to the end of ourselves, we get to the beginning of God. When we finally decide that we are weak and we are in need of a Savior, we are transformed and we are given a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in, in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. The old things are passed away, and behold... All things, every single thing about you becomes new when you put your faith and your trust in God. We are new in thought. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this, But forget all that. Forget all those things that you were, all those things that you did. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do in you for i am about to do something new see i have already begun it do you not see it i will make a pathway through the wilderness and i will create rivers in dry wasteland forget all that you have done that is not who you are now god says i am going to do a new work in you it is his promise that he is going to transform your life. When you finally decide, I am a Christ follower, I am a Christian, I am transformed, I am new, then we can move on to the things that we must do as a Christian. So what must I do as a Christian? There's a lot of things the Bible tells us that we need to do. We must be the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The Bible also tells us that when we are Christians, we need to love God and love people. We must put off the former things we used to do. We could spend weeks breaking it down, what it means to be a Christian. But today I want to focus on three little things that as Christians, as believers, that we should be. That 
we should be able to walk out of here and say, I am that. So, what I want to say is, I want to say, I am bold. How amazed are people with your boldness for Christ? Do your friends know that you're a Christian? Does the love of God just flow out of you? Or are you one of those people who maybe you're at work, and you could have worked there for years with somebody, and somehow it would come out that you're a Christian, and they'd be like, wait, you're a Christian? Really? Really? I, I didn't know. I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. You didn't have any boldness for Christ. So today, when we're going to talk about boldness, I want to look at the life of Peter and John and their boldness for Christ. So go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. That's where we're going to spend a good portion of our time. So here is what is taking place up into Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are on their way to the 3 o'clock prayer service at the temple. And as they get to the temple, as they walk up there, there is a man who is sitting there on the steps who has been crippled since birth. And he asks them for some money. And Peter and John look at him and be like, wait, you're asking us for money? Look at us. Do you know who we are? We're disciples of Christ. We don't really have jobs. We just go and preach. You're asking us for money? No, no, man, you're asking the wrong person. We don't have any money. And Peter says this. The same Peter who just denied Christ three months earlier said, I don't know him. He said this, I don't have any money, but I'm going to give you what I do have. What I do have is Christ. And he looked at that man and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Amen. And that man felt something different come over him. And Peter and John helped him up. And he began to walk, and then it says he began to leap and praise God. And in verse 10 of Acts chapter 3, it says that the people in the temple were astounded at the lame man. And they rushed out in amazement to see Peter and John. Yes, this was bold of Peter to tell him in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. But this isn't even as bold as it'll get. We're going to get into the real boldness for Christ. As it continues in chapter 3, Peter goes on to tell people, it wasn't me. I didn't heal him. I didn't really have anything to do with it. It was the power of Jesus. He goes on to, the, to tell them, yes, the same Jesus who you handed over to Pilate, the same Jesus who you put on a cross, the same Jesus who you crucified. And there was Sadducees there in the temple, the religious people. And he says, the same Jesus who you condemned. So don't be surprised. You weren't surprised when Jesus did miracles before. It was the faith in Jesus that healed this man who was crippled. In verse 16, it says, Peter says, faith in Jesus has healed him before your very eyes. And he goes on to tell those people, he goes on to call them, you are ignorant. We don't really use ignorant a lot today anymore. We say ignorance is bliss. 
we use some other words. So I decided to see what the dictionary, what, what the Internet said some synonyms for ignorant is in case you don't really know what it means. So Peter calls them. He says, you're uneducated. You're mindless. You're dumb. You're an airhead. You're stupid. And my favorite synonym, so this is what it could say. He says, friends, I know what you and your leaders did to Jesus, and it's because you are dead from the neck up. (laughs) That's pretty bold for Peter to call the leaders that. That would be like you coming in here and telling pastor, "Uh, pastor, you're stupid. Yeah, good luck with that. Peter's like, no, guys, listen, it was Jesus. I didn't do it. And again, the Sadducees, they weren't just regular people. They were the leaders in the church. They were the educated people. Peter says, I understand you did what you had to do with Jesus to fulfill the prophecies. So Peter and John are in there in the temple And they're telling everyone of the mighty hand of Jesus and his redemptive power. Acts 4, verses 1 through 3. So starting in verse 1, it says, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed. These leaders were very upset, ticked off that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead because they didn't believe in resurrection power. They still think people stole Jesus' body. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the next morning. So they put them in jail. The next morning they are brought to the high priest, and they ask him, In whose name do you claim to have healed this man? Whose name do you say this man was healed? Starting in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good, good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man who you crucified and raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in Scripture where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men, just regular people, regular churchgoers. Not people who graduated from seminary, just people who loved God, just like you and me. It says they were amazed by their boldness. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They were amazed by their boldness. Again, the Sadducees were religious people, not Christian people. It was all about what they could do to maybe get into heaven one day, not what had been done 
on the cross. They didn't believe in the resurrection because if they believed in the resurrection, then they couldn't make these people follow all of the laws of Moses. So with a lame man standing right there, they decided they had to let Peter and John go because they didn't really know how to punish them. And they said, we're going to let you go, but don't ever speak or preach in the name of Jesus again. We're going to let you go. You can go, but don't ever talk about that man again. And here is Peter and John's response in verse 19 of chapter 4. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Again, they decided to let him go because they didn't know how to punish him without causing a riot. And it says everyone else there in the area started to begin to praise God because they had seen the miracle of the man who was healed. Peter and John took a stand for boldness in the face of opposition. They didn't stop telling of Jesus' love and sacrifice and redemptive power. They did the complete opposite. And in verse 29 was their prayer. I hope that we can make verse 29 our prayer. I hope that New Hope can make verse 29 its prayer. And I hope the church all around can make verse 29 their prayer and cry out like Peter and John did. In verse 29 of Acts 4, it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. So I ask again, how amazed are people by your boldness? You may say, well, I'm not, I'm not a bold person. I'm kind of timid. I'm introverted. I'm not outspoken. When it comes for boldness for Christ, boldness for Christ is not a personality trait. Boldness for Christ is a characteristic when you say, here I am, Lord, use me. Peter and John prayed for boldness. And again, people say, well, don't pray for patience because you'll be given an opportunity to be patient. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you pray for boldness, you are going to be given that opportunity to be bold for Christ. Three attributes of boldness. Boldness almost always triggers spiritual opposition. Again, boldness almost always triggers spiritual opposition. As you continue to read down in chapter 5, it talks about how they continued to preach the word. They continued to do miracles in Jesus' name, and more and more people believed. The high priests were so filled with jealousy, they once again arrested Peter and John and threw them into jail. When you decide that you want to be used by God, that you want to be bold, you want people to know that you are a Christ follower, again, you will face opposition. But the good thing about that is, is in John 16:33 it says, In this world you will have trouble. But I love with God 
that no matter what we're going through, there's always a but, but God. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. If you're not ready for spiritual opposition, then you are not ready to be used by God. You might lose friends. You might even lose some family members. You will probably be laughed at and made fun of. But if you're not ready for spiritual opposition, then you are not ready to be used by God. Number two, boldness often releases God's miracles. In verse 19 of Acts 5, it says that while they were in jail, an angel came at night and opened the gates and brought them out. So while they were in jail at night, the angel came and opened up the gates and said, go. When you live with bold faith, you'll often see the hand of God move miracles in and around you. When you live with bold faith, you'll often see the hand of God move miracles in and around you. I know that everyone here has heard the story over and over again of the hand of God being on this church. The hand of God being on the fellowship of believers of New Hope. Because we decided to take a stand and live boldly. We have a story to tell. There's an old hymn called, I Love to Tell the Story. The first verse says, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. And then the chorus. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme and glory. To tell the old, old story. Of Jesus. And his love. And his miracles. I love the miracle story. I know pastor loves the miracle story. I know senior loves it. I know my in-laws love it. I know Ron and Tracy love it. The miracle story that we are able to be in this building today. Because many years ago, we took a stand as a church to live with boldness for Christ and said, we're not wavering. We don't care what the government says. We don't care what other churches are doing. We're going to live bold for Christ and we're going to receive whatever God has for us. Because when you live with bold faith, you'll often see the hand of God move in miracles in and all around you. And when you walk in obedience to God, you will not be surprised by the miracles of God. There are still things to come for this church And please don't be surprised when amazing things start happening because we serve an amazing and an awesome and a powerful God and He is going to do great things because we say, God, You're in the center of it. So don't be surprised when God moves miracles through the people of this church, through the people of New Hope. Number three, boldness always requires faith. 
boldness always requires faith. Peter and John, they pressed on. They continued to spread the gospel and went right back into the temple again. Arrested twice, right back they were to preach. Later on, because of their great boldness, they did pay the price. John was exiled to the island of Patmos, and Peter was crucified. And it says when he said that, there was going to be, that he was going to be crucified, he said, crucify me upside down. Because I do not deserve to die the same way that my Lord and Savior did. We have no idea what God may set into motion through one single act of boldness. Through your one single act of boldness, of standing up and saying, that's wrong, that's not biblical, this is what God says, you have no idea who you might bless and whose life you might change. We need to have the boldness to believe that God answers prayer. The boldness to invite someone to church. The boldness to share our faith. The boldness enough to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Which leads me to, who are you? I am sent. I am sent. We need to say that I am willing and I must answer the call. What can I do for God because of who I am? We don't, have, we don't have to do things for God. We get to do things for God. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to open up your Bible. You don't have to pray. You don't have to give. You get to. You get the opportunity to do that. God calls us to say yes to Jesus. I will go. Just like Peter and John said, yes, we're going to preach no matter the cost. We need to have the same willingness to be used by God. So who are you going to be like? Are you going to be like Jonah, Moses, or Isaiah? When you answer the call of God, it is going to make you move in unbelievable ways. Jonah said, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. He was called to the city of Nineveh. He was called to go there and preach and tell them how wicked they were living. And he said, God, I want to be used, but I'm not going there. Nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to them. There's no way. He said, I want to be used. Come on, God. Send me somewhere else. Somewhere else, God. What are you telling God no to today? What has God called you to do? And you haven't acted on yet. Are you saying, God, I want to be used by you. I'm your servant. Here I am. But that, no, I don't want to do that, God. No, I have too much going on. God, not, not right now, you know. Well, we know how the rest of the story goes for Jonah. What's cool is when I started preparing this message, I hadn't really looked at the children's chapel story yet. So if you want to hear more about Jonah, watch today at 1.30 as I upload the children's chapel story, and it dives in to the story of Jonah and his mistake and his big blunder, but how God still used him. We know that Jonah was punished a little bit for saying no to God. 
but we know that eventually he did make it to Nineveh. Moses. Maybe you're like Moses. Moses said, here I am, Lord. Send my brother. Send someone else. He said, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Come on, God, send Aaron. I'll be right there behind him, pushing him in the door. Yeah, that's, that's how we'll do it, God. He said, God, I'm not good at talking. That's a thought for me. That has been a thought, and it still creeps up in my mind when I first started to preach. I'm like, God, 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 you really want me to preach? Okay, God, I can teach. I can do things, you know, in the audio video ministry. I can do this and that, but come on, God. Me? I'm not smart enough. You've seen the scores on my research paper when I was in high school. You've seen that I can't write a paper because that's what a sermon is. It's sitting down and studying and writing a paper, and I'm like, God, you see that? You see how those letters that starts with a D on my research papers, God? And it didn't mean, dang, that was good. No, it did not. I'm like, God, I barely passed English class. You really want to use me? And because I tend to focus on all my inadequacies instead of the strengths God has given me just like Moses did. I tend to see myself sometimes as not enough and think, God, I can't do that. Send someone else. I'll be in the back doing something else, God. Instead of basing myself on what God says about me, I choose to think that I'm not enough. I tend to compare myself with other pastors and preachers and speakers just like Moses did. I'm like, Man, that was amazing. I'm never going to be able to preach like that. Because I already have it in my mindset that I am not enough. Instead of listening to God when he says, you are enough, I am sending you. Moses said no at first, but we know that eventually he was used by God to lead the people out of Egypt and towards the promised land. Or maybe you're like Isaiah. That's the one that I want to be like. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, it says this. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. Completely available, anytime, anywhere, and to anyone. Whenever I think about this, Isaiah saying this, here I am, send me, I think of two songs that I learned as growing up as a child. Very similar in lyrics and title as well. Two songs. The one is called, Here I Am, Lord written by John Michael Tablet and made popular by Dan Schutt. And the other is Here Am I, Lord, written and sung by Ron Hamilton, who is also known for his amazing children's curriculum called Patch the Pirate. The first chorus says this, Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. 
I will go, Lord, if you lead me. God, I'm only going to do this if you're leading me because I can't do it on my own. And the second chorus says, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. I will serve you faithfully. Here am I, Lord, send me. Completely available anytime, anywhere, to anyone. What do you need to fully surrender to God? When you want to fully surrender to God, you need a genuine experience with the presence of God. Why are you not available to God? Maybe it's because you have not recently experienced the presence of God. You have just been so busy with life that you haven't stopped to listen and dwell on the thoughts of God. It says, draw near to God or draw nigh to God and he will draw near to you. Jeremiah 29:13 says, "If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me." Here am I, Lord. Send me. Completely available anytime, anywhere to anyone. So who are you? I am sent. The Bible tells us a lot about our identity in Christ. And we could spend weeks talking about our identity in Christ. The Bible tells us so many things that we are. It tells us that we are redeemed in 1 Peter 1. Later on, it says in 1 Peter 2, it says that we are a royal priesthood. In Psalms, it says we are blessed, and it's not the blessed that everybody puts on social media that just takes a picture of themselves and says, hashtag blessed. No, it says in Psalms 1.1, blessed is the one who walks, who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of the mockers. So blessed are, are the people who are not around all those ungodly people all the time we have to be around the ungodly people so they can see our light but it's saying blessed are you when you do not sit around with them all the time if you are not just a little bit uncomfortable when you are with unsaved people who are doing things that are unbiblical then i want to say you need to check your faith Because when you're around people who are doing things that are not of the Bible, it should make you squirm and be like, God, I know I have a purpose with this person, but hurry up, God, because I am uncomfortable. It says, blessed are those people who do not walk in that, but who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditate on my word day and night. In Zephaniah, it says we are appreciated. How many people in here have ever felt unappreciated? Absolutely. I think everybody has. But Zephaniah tells us that you are appreciated by the things that you do for God. You are saved. Thanks to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we are saved from our sin. We are saved from Satan and our old nature. 
Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You are reconciled. Jesus has reconciled us and other believers to God through salvation, through his death, burial, and resurrection. You are afflicted. Everyone in this fallen world, Christians and non-Christians alike, are suffering. However, through our suffering, we can accomplish good and redemptive purposes. Rather than asking, why God, why? You can ask God, who? Who is this message for? God, I am suffering But I know you have a purpose. And who am I supposed to tell? John 16, 33. We already said it. When we are suffering, don't worry. I know you're suffering, but it's okay. Because I, the Lord, have overcome everything. And if you haven't read the Bible all the way to the end, if you haven't read Revelation, let me give you a spoiler alert. God wins. Book closed. You're heard. You are heard by God. A lot of the times it feels like you're speaking and nobody hears you. But again, in Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. When you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. 1 John 5, 15 says, And if we know that he hears us, when whatever we ask, we know that we have heard, we know that we have what we asked of him. You're gifted. Every single person in the sanctuary, every single person watching online, you are gifted. God has given you a gift that he wants you to use to further his kingdom. What is your passion? That is how you find your gift. What is it that stirs up that emotion in you like that brings you joy and comfort? Ephesians 2:10 says this, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The works doesn't save us, we do works because we love God. You're new. We already covered this one. If you are in Christ, therefore, if anybody in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You are forgiven. Such a relief to know that whatever I do, no matter the mistake, That God's wrath has already been placed somewhere else. Your past, your present, and your future sins have all been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. 1 John 1, 9 says, if. This doesn't say, well, I'm going to forgive you no matter what. You know, "Ah, yeah, you did this, whatever. No, it says, if we confess our sins. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us 
of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You are adopted. As a Christian, you have been adopted into God's family. When we are born, we are born with a sin nature. We are not born into the family of God. We are not born a Christian. When you become a Christian, when you decide, I want to follow Christ, you are adopted. Galatians 3 says, so in Christ Jesus, you are the children of God. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says, for he chose us. Oh, what a thought. God chose me. He knew exactly what I was going to do, but yet he still chose me. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. God chose me. You are loved. Nothing you can do will ever stop God from loving you. Romans eight thirty-seven through 39 says... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, no matter what, nothing can ever separate that love that God has for you. You are rewarded. You will be rewarded for your good deeds. The good deeds doesn't save you. It doesn't get you to heaven. Again, we do good deeds. We do good things because we want to be like Christ. Christ Christ did the ultimate good thing, the ultimate best thing. And we can't ever do anything that good, but we do other things to show Christ-like love. You're victorious. As pastor says, you're not a victim, you're a victor. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. First Corinthians fifteen fifty five through fifty seven says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And last thing that God calls us, he calls you to be set apart. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Therefore, come out from among believers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. We are called to be different. 
I like candy. So I'm going to give you a candy illustration. Think about this. You've got two bags of candy. I go to the store. I stand in the candy aisle. And I really can't decide. And you can ask my wife. Sometimes I'll spend it. It might even be at Dollar Tree. $15 on candy. <laughs> or I'll go to the store and be like, I don't know what candy bar I want. Why do you have six candy bars? Well, this one felt left out because I picked that one. So, so I like candy, but think about this. You have a bag of gummy bears and you have a bag of Sour Patch Kids. You open them both up and you pour them both in the same bowl. Obviously, they really don't belong with each other. They have some likenesses, but their texture's different. Their flavor's different. Everything about them is different. We are called to be set apart. I don't know why you would mix Sour Patch Kids and gummy bears. I don't know why you would mix M&Ms and a bowl of Skittles. Who are you trying to fool? You pick up one thinking it's milk chocolate and you get something chewy. We're called to be set apart like that. We're called to be different. The last thing I want to end with is not something that God calls us, but something that we have to work on to become. So who are you? I am unashamed. Turn with me to Romans 1.16. Here Paul is writing to the church of Rome. He is trying to encourage them to keep pressing on for Christ. He says, I want to visit you, but every time I have tried to visit you, I have been prevented from visiting you. He eventually did make it to Rome, just not as he had planned. It says in Acts 28:16, it says, Paul arrived in Rome and he was permitted to have his own private lodging, his own special room. Though he was guarded by a soldier. Paul made it to Rome. But when he did, he was in prison. But back to his letter to the church of Rome. Before he was jailed, he says, I'm eager to come to you. I want to come to you and talk to you about the good news of Jesus Christ. And Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth. We are called to be different. We are called to be set apart from the world. And people need to know that we are different because of Him. It is our responsibility to remind people about Jesus. We need to live in such a way that people look at us and say, they're different. That person is different. What is it about them that makes them different? And instead of saying, oh, I'm different, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's about me. I don't know. Instead of being just mediocre, we need to be unashamed. 
when people say you're different, you've got to say, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes me different. Jesus is the one who changed my life. And because he has changed my life, I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I will let everybody know. And those people are going to look at you and say, well, I don't know if I really believe all that. I don't know if I really believe the Bible. I don't know. And we need to have the courage, the boldness to say, listen, you can argue with my theology. You can argue with the Bible, but you can't argue with my testimony. You can't argue that I have been transformed, that I have been redirected. And God can do the same for you if you are willing to let him. We are a preview of what Jesus looks like. When a movie comes out, it put out a trailer or a preview. And you probably decide whether you want to go see that or not based on the preview. If somebody looks at your life, the preview of this, are they going to say, there's something different about them. They believe in Jesus. i got to see what this Jesus is about. Are they going to say, oh, they say they're a Christian? I don't want any of that. They're a downer all the time. They're always talking about other people. Will people want to come to Christ if all they see is you? For I am not ashamed. So, like a month and a half ago, two months ago, When me and CJ did the little interview up here, afterwards, I'm like, man, that was fun. That was awesome. I want to do this again. And it got me thinking. And God started placing ideas in my mind. I'm like, okay, okay, God. Again, I started acting like Moses. God, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. And the thought came to me of making my own little podcast show, an interview like that once a month called unashamed real talk to help you walk the walk so i said all right god i don't know where i'm going with this but if it's what you want i'll do it so hopefully lord willing starting here in june i'm gonna be kicking off a podcast show on my computer be doing some things on there and then once a month I've already got a couple people that I talked to that God just started placing things in my mind like, hey, talk to this person about that. Once a month you can have one. I'm like, all right. Because I have been willing to say, God, send me. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I found this spoken word piece. I didn't write it, so I hope I can do the author justice. It says this. The moment you were born again, God himself came to dwell in you. The moment. Not after you went to seminary. Not after you learned so many Bible verses. Not after making the donation, the confirmation, the graduation, the ordination, or the congregation ovation. Not after getting it better or getting it together. The moment you were born again, He came to dwell in you just as you are. You're His temple, His called, His chosen, His treasure, His pleasure together forever. 
set aside from the world, set apart in the world before the start of the world. Holy to be forgiven, to be made right, saved by Christ's path, paved by Christ. Redeemed and esteemed, an ambassador for Christ, just as you are. That's who you are. Peace, his master, peace, his workman, ship, his handy, work. Created in his image, created for glory, created to proclaim and exclaim the frame fame of his name, Jesus. Just as you are, that's who you are. Hear it. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, commissioned to make disciples, appointed to bear fruit, exposed to life's truth, ordained to preach, taught to teach, reached to reach, charged to love, free to live, saved from sin, blessed to give, sent to seek, called to speak, lived to shine, sought to find, touch to touch with much to much. Just as you are, that's who you are. You are confident. You are courageous. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are more than a conqueror. You have authority through Christ. Power, love, self-control, security through Christ. Purity through Christ. You belong to a kingdom unshakable, a covenant unbreakable. You can do all things through Christ, the one who strengthens you. A relationship of love, the Lord from above. You have everything you need. There is no lack thereof. A family of royalty with a father of loyalty. Peaceably, graciously, abundantly, joyfully, just as you are. That's who you are. No matter what you say or said, no matter what you're taught or told, no matter what you think or feel, no matter what you've done, do, been through, or go through, no matter who you are, you are a child of the Most High God. That's something that will never change, never fade, never be taken away, because you will always be His. Just as you are, that's who you are. That's it. What more could you want to have the greatest title in the land The greatest label anyone could ever be given. Christian. Unashamed. For all who receive him. Who believe in his name. He gave the right to become. The children. Of God. Just. As you are. That's who you are. Now go out. And live like it. There was this Jim Carrey interview. And they were interviewing him, talking about the different characters that he portrayed. He said, I always try to really get into character. He said, there was this one character they wanted me to do, and the character smoked. And I didn't smoke. But I'm like, you know what? I want to become this character, so I'm going to start smoking. And that's exactly what he did. At the end of the interview, they said, so Jim... What's next for you? Who do you want to portray next? He said, I don't know. Maybe Jesus. If he 
would portray Jesus in a movie, what difference could he make when he would actually start to act, walk, talk, and be like Jesus? What about you? Who are you trying to portray in your life? What character are you putting on? So who are you? What do you want to be? Has your life been changed and transformed by Christ? For me, each day, when I close my eyes at night, I want my prayer to be, I am bold, I am sent, and I am unashamed. Father God, we thank you for this time that we are able to get into your word. We thank you for the things that you call us, the positive things that you call us. We thank you for your love and your grace upon us no matter what. Let us look to you to decide who we are, to your word. Let that be our determining factor. Let us be bold for you. Let us answer the call and say, yes, I am sent and I'm answering the call. Yes, God, send me and let us live unashamed for you. We ask this in your holy and most gracious name. Amen.